Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining our podcast. This is Cindy Carter and Carmela Toller bringing to you Good Life Conversation, exploring social role valorization and life-wasting prevention for people with disabilities. These conversations are for everyone. Maybe you have a disability, care for someone with a disability, or you are just curious about how people with disabilities are devalued every day right before your eyes. We can explore these topics and others during the Good Life Podcast. Hello, everyone. How are you? This is Carmela Toller, and today with me is... Cindy Carter. And we are here today to just share some of our life experiences and some of our knowledge, if you will, um, working and serving individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities. We wanna talk to you today a little bit about a training, a theory, a thought, a process that has greatly impacted our work over the years. And when I say impact our work, I'm saying it impacting it very positively. And we just want to give you a little introduction to that, um, as this is the first of a series of uh, information and training and discussion that we will have about social role valorization. So Carmel and I will be in conversations about SRV or social role valorization. We'll also be having guest speakers that will join in the conversation and we hope to also hear from you our listeners as we talk about social role valorization and how it can impact your life in a very positive way in the lives of people that are devalued. Going back to the probably the mid to later 60s Dr. Wolf Wolfensberg um, originally began talking about normalization and he later called it social role valorization, really being the one who developed the platform. And this teaching and training, again, is what we want to share with you today. Dr. Wolfensberg is no longer with us in the Institute as it once was, but it is still a very, very strong theory and practice that we must all adhere to to serve the individuals that we serve, to give them the best life. Seems like a long time ago, but it seems like yesterday at the same time. So back in the early 90s, we went to a 40-hour training, which is unheard of, that, that you would have one topic, 40 hours. But just the, the thought of social role valorization and, and the complexity to understand our unconscious bias how we treat people different as a society and then ourselves. And how do we treat people differently? And how, do, how are we biased in our actions and in our mindsets? And it really changed a lot for me as a person um, in human service field. And then how do you see others? And how do you interact with others to increase the perception of the other people and outcomes for people in their lives? So we kind of, think about it as some of the people that you are serving are some family members or you know someone who has a disability and it could be any type of disability but you have had the experience where they are looked at differently they are not able to 
have employment the way that we do. They may not be in their own home. They may have been institutionalized or marginalized so that they are not in contact with family members. And that's just to talk about some of those internal things that happen within our system to people who we devalue. So we talk about devaluation and it is what impacts the people that we serve most of all. Creating sometimes horrific, sort of abnormal, odd behaviors all the way to just institutionalization and isolation. We are charged with the job of helping them, serving them, and helping them become more independent so that they can make more of the decisions in their life. Social role valorization addresses that and talks about valorization versus devaluing and in the social context of living in the community like you and I do. And that, in its simplest terms, that's what I really see as SRV. Yes. Is that myself, as someone who's seen as a valuable person in society, I pay my taxes, I have a job, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, all these different roles. So my life experience is at a certain level, but people like we're speaking of that are devalued by society, their life experience is so limited, especially to your point, Carmen, when you're talking about segregation. So when I don't even have the opportunity to be around people other than the paid staff that are around me, it impacts my life. And actually it doesn't afford the opportunity for people that are not in human service to even have a relationship with someone that is in a segregated setting. Right. Then all these rules and visitation and all these complexities come into part it's just a person right. having right, a relationship right. with another person. Uh, I don't think human service field really means to be so complex. You know, it's always safeguarding right. and trying to avoid risk, but really you're putting a person in a bubble instead of letting them live their life. And the, and the result is it can be devastating. Also, some of those devastating results can be turned around. It can change really in an instance, the, for the individuals good. that we serve, all for the good. Yeah, it's and we've done it and we've seen it and we've experienced it. And it, that's part of our excitement. And what is right. so elating is we have thought about a person different than they have been thought about in the past. And the outcome is this whole person that no one knew was in there. But just by looking through and they a didn't know lens, they, were they didn't even know. Right. right. That's the, the irony, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Especially someone coming from a state hospital mm -hmm. where talk about segregation. I'm in a state hospital. I'm only with other people with disabilities. Locked I don't even I don't even day. leave the building. Right. 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 I may not even go outside. I may just be in this building all day, every day. And if I am in there for days or decades of my life. I've never been to McDonald's. You know, I've never gone to a grocery store right. or done my own laundry. Like you're saying, just how a person can blossom because they have experiences they've never had before. Um, and they're they're around people inclusive. Inclusive. It's, it's something for us to, yeah, to all look and look at who we work with and who we love and who we serve and, and to kind of think about what are their valued roles? What are they doing today? Exactly. Mm -hmm. So a normal conversation like, what you do today? Mm -hmm. Where'd you go? Who'd you see? And for people sometimes in human service field, they have nothing to say. 
It's been the same day, day after day after day. So Carmela, you were saying valued roles, that that changes a person's life. Tell us more about that. What were you thinking? Well, I was just thinking about some of the people that I've worked with in the past and something simple as listening to them and figuring out adaptive ways for them to do things that you and I ordinarily do. Such things as how to ride in a taxi, um, how to today catch an, an Uber, how to get a job, how to apply for a job, and, and then what those jobs could look like for someone who maybe is not exactly like you and I, work an eight hour day standing on their feet or something like that, but what are the adaptions and modifications? And what I found is the people that we work with day in, day out, when they have roles that they can contribute to their own well-being, i.e. having a paycheck, getting their hair done, getting their nails done, um, shopping, um, and those types of things, or driving a car, when they are able to do that, it transforms them into the person they actually are. Then they love life. Then there's less medical appointments, there's less behaviors. It's like, I'm not so bored. My, my life is not so subject to my death. And the good life, right? Mm -hmm. Also as they find their voice. Yes. So, so right, much of right. their life, mm -hmm. others have made choices for them. This is your schedule. This is what you're doing or not doing. Right. And then as you're afforded more opportunities like working and making money, right. I decide when I'm leaving. Right. You know, when I drive, I decide where I'm going and when I'm leaving and right. what I'm gonna do. I can define what a good life looks like and what a good day looks like. You know, all of us like to have busy days, but we also have to have, we wanna have some slow days. Right, right. But not all slow days. <laughs> you know, kind of hastening my death. <laughs> yeah, right, right, you know, right, right. I want activity. Being active and, and having some stress is really creative. You know, right, it, it right. helps us waken our spirit and know who we are. But one of the saddest things I know in human service field and working with people that are devalued is you ask them a question, like, where do you want to go eat? They're like, well, where do you want to go eat? Where do you want to go? Well, where do you want to go? They're just echoing whatever you say Same. instead of actually having their own voice and realizing you can make choices and you can have different choices than me. That's the only way you're gonna have your own identity if you decide what works for you. I do like this, I don't like that, but I, I think it's hard to get to that point. Right. For them to feel that self-confidence, assurance that my choices are good choices and not always reflecting what other people around them wanna do, whether it's people they live with or their parents, right. or it's a certain staff that they're like, oh, I just wanna please them. We can do that and we have done that. It is very difficult sometimes in the human service system kind of acts as a cloak over us. It makes us think only within the guidelines or the gasp of the regulations. But if you really look at and read the regulations, it is nothing that we shouldn't already be doing. You know, we talk about being person-centered, but truly discovering who is this person. And if they haven't had any experiences in life, they don't know who they are yet. So try out a few, Just right? try some things. And not being so risk focused. Right. How about life experience focused? Right. I think any service, if they're really focused in on the person and what do they want out of life, they want the person to live their best life. And that's great. You think about the opportunities of marriage and having children, going camping, and 
flying on a plane, you're planning a vacation, you just ask yourself, has this person I'm working with or I'm serving, have they had any of those experiences? And if not, why not? It's an excellent point. And, and actually be in a relationship. So much of the person's time is receiving services. We're doing things for them instead of them doing things for themselves. Right. Or actually being in a relationship, having a boyfriend, having a husband, right. actually being an aunt or an uncle to right. another person. Not right. just, these people send me cards every year, but I don't do anything I don't else. send anything to I them. I don't really, I don't invite them over. I don't have nope. a dinner party. I don't, I don't plan anything. I don't have a barbecue. I don't do anything. I am always on the receiving end. And I think about the recent story you were telling me, Carmela, about the neighbor, where mm -hmm. a neighbor was a true neighbor right. and would bring over baked goods and would bring over right, presents right. and yet the person living at that home did not reciprocate so and i think it was that unconsciousness mm -hmm. i'm that so disabled i can't even bake you a cookie no one's here to help me respond the way that would respond to a kind neighbor you're exactly yes. right and the way all of us would be None of us would have just a one-sided relationship, but it's that unconscious bias again, telling right. people that, oh, well, they're a person in service or right. they have a disability, so they can't reciprocate kind acts or be of service, that they, they can contribute as a volunteer or an employee in so many ways, instead of just being someone that receives government benefits. And I've heard conversations, well, can't earn too much money because that's going to wreck your right, benefits. Right. If you're at that point, you can get out of it. Take those benefits Hello. and shove them <laughs> and live the life. And then you don't have to live with the regulations. At all. You can say goodbye. That's the goal. Get off the get off and away from the waiver, if possible. That's, yes. a, that's a tall order, yes. but that's where we should be trying to get. Yes. Yeah. And away from paid staff mm -hmm. into friendships. Right. Because what is right. the paid staff? It's somebody who's helping you do certain things that friends or family do for us. Right. Right. So I may have trouble waking up to an alarm clock. Right. And somebody in my household knows that. And that's what staff do, mm -hmm. but they're paid to do it. Right. So if we can replace that paid staff with a natural, natural support. support. Someone who loves them. Right. Here we yes, go. Right. Someone that cares about you. Yeah. I'm not being paid to do this. Right. I just care about you. And so I want you to be successful and get up on time or get yeah. to wherever you need to go. So we'll make sure you get there. Right. But it's more, it's a friendship. So I, I think that blows some people's minds. Right. <laughs> that they could actually have these yep. friends like you and I do. And every time, Cindy, that we've gone after that, or we've looked at it and we've talked about our the neighbors or the natural supports, it works. And it's, it's incredible. Most people are honored because it is genuine and, and they are friends. When that happens, it's the best life. Yeah. Well, or reuniting families. When people live in congregated or segregated settings, like group homes or state hospitals, the family is disengaged. Right. And they are told the professionals are handling that now. Who would that be? <laughs> <laughs> you and I? And, and they're kind of discounted. Yes. Um, and detached. And that's one of the wounds we, we talk wounding. about, that wound and the, the isolation, the segregation, congregation, and the life wasting and the death making when they tell a family member they're never gonna be anything, they're not gonna talk, they're not gonna walk, you know, you might as well put them in an institution. They're not gonna have any real contribution 
to the world. No, or are we going to help you keep this your um, loved one at home? Right. You're on your own, mm-hmm. or you take this path. Or you path. do this. Our choice. Right. Um, especially if there's nothing out there to help you do it. Don't have to make those choices anymore. But we've seen a lot of change over the years. First of all, the institutions being closed, and some of the many institutions after that being closed. So we as But providers, not the mindsets. No, the mindsets. <laughs> Or one thing, right? The doors are another. So we may have homes that are running like institutions. You've got an IDT with all these therapists, right? With court appointed guardians, right? With case managers. Where's the family? Right. Where's the friends? The person is all lost right in all of it. They're in a bubble of paid staff. Mm-hmm. Instead of the waiver wants and person centered, it, yeah. it's inclusion. Right. That I am part of the community. I'm part of the neighborhood, I'm part of the city, and groups, you know, right. am I part of the, part of my church? Right. Not that I just go, but I actually remember. remember. Right. Right. I'm in the choir, I, I'm an usher, you know, I, I have things that I do, I have valued roles mm-hmm. within whatever group I'm in. It's not just about, I go to the store and back. And back, right. And that's community inclusion, because it's not. None of us are like that. Right. We have a relationship with the person that does our hair. We go to the same person. All the time. It's not yeah. great clips and it's mm-hmm. not a random person right. each time. Right, Establish all those relationships. And those relationships enable us to find out about other things. So if you really know the person at the bank, then they're looking out for you. Yeah. That, oh, here, here. I yeah. thought you might be interested right. in this. Right. Or I know you talked about mountain climbing. And so right. I, I saw this. It becomes more than just a transaction. Right. It becomes right. a relationship. And so many times it's not that. Right. We don't we don't see relationships as a focus. We see service. Right. Me providing services to you right. instead of fostering relationships so I don't have a role with you right. anymore. You know, I've heard many times people talk about boyfriends and girlfriends and like, oh, so where'd you go on a date? Oh, we don't go anywhere. <laughs> what'd you get well, them for Valentine's Day? Well, I didn't get them anything. Right. <laughs> right. What about what about the occasions, Cindy? Not too long ago, we had an individual who we wanted to go to the to a funeral with us. Mm, and I recall. It's, yeah, you recall <laughs> that? And I'm thinking about that individual's loss because it's a gathering. It's, uh, you know, all had someone in common that they loved. But it is also another place that relationships strike up. Someone could have met her and liked her and mm-hmm. she could have liked them and they could be friends now. Right. And so that's how that happens. But when you exclude and seclude and right. prevent, you block all of those normal things that we do in life, you know, help us engage in someone else or a new relationship or a new venture or to know about something. So often is for the sake of healthcare, they don't get that opportunity and they miss out probably on something they would have done with someone who is not a human service worker. Funerals are an excellent way to start the grieving process if you haven't already started it. Because you're all there for the same reason. Right. You lost someone that you love. Love. Right. And so making those relationships, it's like a family reunion. Mm-hmm. How many family reunions have we been to? I mean, they're right. very and unique right. life right. experience. Right. But do people who have disabilities always go to family reunions? I didn't even know your name. Right. <laughs> Never met but, you before. I, we're related somehow. Yes. Yes. We are family. And those are relationships that can sustain me and help me throughout the year, not just at the family reunion. But if I never, to your point, Carmel, if I don't go to them, the wedding, the family reunion, I don't know those people. How would I know them? 
And what we can go into talking about next time, the term out there is changing the perception of the perceiver. Talking about the conservatism corollary as it relates to social role valorization. It's a whole topic in and of itself, but it's exactly what Cindy was alluding to is having this protective class of people that no one gets to experience. They form their opinions and the other side forms their opinions. And when people with disabilities have not been out and people have not experienced a relationship or even seen how people can live who have disabilities, they have their own perception. And oftentimes it's a negative, devalued um, perception of the individual. So the people with the disabilities and our job is to help to change the perception of the perceiver. And that leads to discrimination, right? Mm -hmm. so, right. So if I don't know anybody, then I let media or the movies that I've seen, that's going to determine my, my perception yes. and mindset of a person with a disability, what they can and cannot do. And it's just discrimination. It's right. just wrong. And, and, it's, yeah. and it's unconscious, not someone intentionally it sets doing out it. and do it. Yeah, yes. we're not saying that at all. It's just unconscious because of how we've been schooled in the world about people and things that are different sometimes. It's just how we've been raised. And as a parent, you know, how I'm raising someone too mm -hmm. may be very unconscious right. about they're still my baby, they're still my child, right. and they're yes. 35 years old. Yeah. <laughs> they, they're always going to be your baby. Your baby. But how are we treating them? Yes. And how are they dressing mm -hmm. and how are they perceived by the community? And that's one of the wounds. The, the, the eternal child. Eternal child. Yes. Eternal child. It's one of the major wounds. Precludes everything when a baby and the baby never grows up. How much life am I not experiencing because right. I'm an eternal child? Right. You know, I don't get a chance to date or have a job or a bounce of check. <laughs> Something <laughs> everybody's yes. done. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Or live by myself or live with friends. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to changing the mindset of the perceiver's perception. And that's where we'll start at next time. We'll talk a bit about how do we change the perception of the perceiver. I want to thank you for joining the Good Life Conversation podcast. For additional information about today's topic, contact Carmela or Cindy at goodlife at lelhs .com. The, the conversation, conversation for a good life for all starts with you. you.